This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. I don't want to pick out players, but I just wanted to pick out, I will pick out, Tyrone Ming last night, making his... Debut. Uh, what a brilliant young man. What a great advert he is for football, for Aston Villa. Uh, the way he handled himself on the pitch, talking to the referee, and, and afterwards in his post-match interview. No young man on his debut should have had to have witnessed that. But to have handled it in the way he did, and, and in the dignified way he handled himself after the match, his family, his team, the whole country should be incredibly proud of Tyrone Mings. Usually every time he finished a song, he'd get on a payphone wherever he was in the country and call me and wake me up. And so, like, he'd lay the phone down and start playing his guitar, you know? And that's how I heard this song the first time. I always thought this was a real pretty one. It's called uh, My Old Man. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. Joining us for a uh, episode 88.5, which is just a casual catch-up. Obviously, the international break has been on. So we're just going to go through uh, what's happened uh, in the Villaverse. Joining me, electoral campaigners of Tyron Mings's new party, which is uh, going to have a stab at making him the prime minister uh, because uh, the traditional political parties have made a, such a balls up of the country in uh, the recent uh, years that surely Tyrone Mings is the only way forward. Uh, Max Stokes from the Villa on Tour YouTube channel and Mr. Chris Budd. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hello. Hello. Mings for PM? Hell Ming, yeah. Mings, Mayor Mings? Where, I mean, where does it stop? President Mings? Master of the universe. <laughs> Should we start with that? Uh, I mean, what, what? I mean, well, we've got to start with the biggest news on the international stage and that's Berka Bjarnason is off to Qatar to play for the Al Arabi Sports Club. Never heard of him before today. Nope. Bet they're paying him a good wedge. Maybe he'll get a free camel as well, hopefully. Oh, that'd How be old nice. is he these days? He's not too old, is he? How old is he these, these days? Yeah, because it's normally like it's normally like, you know, you go there at the end of your career, but he's like what, twenty? Yeah, he's, he's definitely not twenty seven? Yeah. He sh- he should be in his prime, but no. Nah, it's for the money, isn't it? He's thirty, surely. He's old enough to know better. Mm. <laughs> I think it's a, the I think it's the equation of money, age and ability. Slash desperation. Oh, he's 31, actually. 31, yeah. 
He's 31 years old. Good career move. I, I still think he's better than people believe he is. I mean, I just thought he could read the game well and he'd always pop up in the uh, right place at the right time. So he always had kind of a potentially a goal in him, but he didn't really have a position, did he? Nailed down. Mm. But uh, maybe he'll be like the king of Qatar because he'll be the best player in their league. Who, who knows? Right. Uh, internationals. Uh, the first uh, spark was obviously the uh, John McGinn hat trick, be it against San Marino. I think, Max, you've scored a couple of goals against San Marino, haven't you? When, oh, I have. Uh, I've got a, co- a good record against San Marino. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. How many have you got, Chris? I think I scored four in my career <laughs> against San Marino, spread over two games. Yeah. I think I, I got a goal a game just off the bench, though. I, I couldn't even be bothered to play that. <laughs> <laughs> a bit below you but no uh, I mean San Marino it's obviously uh, it's not the hardest team to uh, score against but the big thing was it was in it was a first half hat trick which essentially showed Wesley how to do it and uh, he really got the headlines and suddenly it was uh, again it was the journalists were like reaching for their drawers to pull out the uh, McGinn to Manchester United uh, stories and uh, suddenly Villa fans are starting to panic in terms of oh will he, will he be going to Man United in January uh, we'll, we'll get on to that because there's a few questions about that I mean I'm no uh, maths I'm, I'm, I'm no maths genius but three goals in the first half against San Marino that has to equate to at least another 10 million on top of your value <laughs> Yeah, I think so. So he's up at about, what, 100 million now? Yeah, uh, what was he on? No, I think he's on about six. He, he was about 50 million. That was the last uh, rumour to uh, Manchester United. So he's probably on about 60 million, to be fair. Uh, but the big news was obviously uh, Mr. Mings, who uh, I always thought it was likely he would get a game uh, against Bulgaria. I didn't think Southgate would select him for the Czechs just because that was a, let's say that it was still live. They needed something out of that game. But then that's why I thought they would beat the Czech Republic or get a draw. And then basically Mings would play against Bulgaria because it would be a fairly dead rubber game. But in the end, uh, I think it's Keane hasn't really uh, set himself in glory, has he, uh, uh, playing for England at centre-back? So I think it's a number. I mean, any Villa fan would, would have told you to get Mings in straight away. But what did you think of his performance? Let's start with that. It's everything we've seen him, of him in, what, six months the last year at Villa, really. You know, he's composed on the ball. He's composed when he doesn't have the ball. He organises. You can see him talking to everyone. You know, he, uh, his distribution was good from the back. I thought he was physically dominant, as you'd expect him to be. Um, he had a couple of little forays forward, which I thought was, you know, you never you, you never see you never see that from an England centre-back. Yeah, well, the thing was, you know, did you see him when he had the ball? And he, I think he almost got to the edge of the area, then he ran into traffic. I was, I was cheering him on because I, I'd obviously... Uh, I was hoping he'd do what Darius Fussell did and score on his debut. So I put a fiver on England winning and, and Ming scoring. And they didn't force hardly any corners. So I was a bit pissed off about that. So when he got the ball on, he was like, just he started to go for it. past the halfway line. Like, go on, Ming, all the way, son. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think that was the only way I was going to see that fiver back. But um, no, he did well. Did you watch the game because Ming's played, Max? Yeah, I didn't watch the Czech Republic game because I couldn't be bothered. Um, but... The only reason I watched this one was because Mings. And he like he looks like he'd be playing for England for years. He looks so comfortable. And I loved, my favourite bit was going through Twitter after the game and just looking at other fans of other clubs realising how good he was. I saw a Liverpool fan compare him to Virgil van Dijk. So it was like yeah. a step in the right direction for Mings. But yeah, he was just superb, comfortable, standard. Well, there's, I mean, there's a question here. Sorry, this is uh, David Grimmett from the uh, Madfew Facebook group, uh, the Facebook group which is dedicated to the show. He asks, is Mings a better all-round defender than Harry Maguire? Yep. I say are. yes without hesitation. I don't know why, round, I don't yeah. know why Max is hesitating. Probably, yeah. It's just the price tag in the back of my head. Price tags don't mean shit. Yeah, though. well... I know. Yeah, yeah, day, especially but... when it's Man United. Maguire's a good player. Yeah, true. But he's a, he's a good... I think Maguire's a good defender. Mings is a much better footballer. Yeah. Mings sits good in point. the middle between... A Maguire and a Stones, you know, Stones is the cultured ball player, but doesn't know how to hit the ball into Rose Ed when he needs to get rid of it. Mings is the happy medium, and I could see those two becoming a good partnership, or maybe even the three of them, because I know Southgate does like playing a back three, and I think Mings yeah. on the left-hand side of a three could be the, the way that Southgate moves forward. Obviously, uh, the big talking point, and I mean, this is just the latest racist incident because, you know, it's weekly. It's almost well, it's almost uh, two or three times a week uh, nowadays. There's a lot of outrage all the time, social media outrage. But let's, I mean, let's look at how how we th- feel that we, this should be dealt with. I mean, the interesting thing, I mean, I've, I'm, I'm going to write some things about uh, 
you know racism at football games and i mean there's there's two types of racism there's like the racism that we saw at uh, Carrow Road which is kind of young kids idiotic and it's like racial slurs some of them don't know they're you know they're de- doing it and that's a kind of an educational uh, approach and just like blanket banning them is just going to it's going to be a vicious circle there's a chance there to actually get them in educate them explain you know the wrongdoing and if then they carry on doing it then you know that you know you just ban them and that's it but uh, in this case this was a whole different kettle of fish i mean this was uh, we're talking about a country bulgaria that has a coalition government and three far-right minority parties make up that coalition. So far-right is almost like mainstream there. And so you've got a situation where UEFA know this. And this previous here, we, we, you know, going back to the Euros 2012, in the build-up to that, even like granting Poland and Ukraine uh, that tournament, in the years preceding that, I mean, you know, some of the... Uh, the kind of far right uh, incursions, it, you know, and, and it's pretty widespread. I mean, there's proper far right groups in like Polish football, for example, and UEFA let that, you know, slide and gave them the tournament. And then in the tournament, there's, you know, a few problems, but UEFA should be well versed in how to deal with this. And, you know, my problem in, in this Bulgaria game was this wasn't just like the odd guy here and there doing monkey chants or, you know, racist chants. This was like people in full view. They knew the cameras were there doing Nazi salutes, not even covering their faces up. And you're thinking, you know, why why isn't this stadium set up to get rid of them, you know, straight away? Is it because, you know, the far right's like so mainstream? I mean, you know, the manager, he he didn't think there was any, the Bulgarian manager didn't think there was any issues or any problem there as well. And it's almost like they... uh, they kind of turn their turn their eye away from it. I mean, my big thing, sort of, from what you could see, was that it was it seemed like a very premeditated thing. You know, there were the, the picture of the guy with the t-shirt saying "No respect" on it, and this is a yeah. They know what they're doing. Yeah, and and it's and not it they're not there for the football. Everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah. and this was the thing. It was almost like there was nothing there to stop them, or there was no uh, precautions taken. I mean, hindsight, and you know, and people are talking about you know mass punishments, and this is something that's. This has been UEFA's solution to everything. Mass punishment. Does it work? Mass punishments. For example, if you're a Villa fan and we're in Europe, for example, or you know, even if we're in, uh, you know, you could say the FA Cup in the further rounds, and four Villa fans get done for racism, they get caught, and Villa aren't allowed any fans in, you know, the semi-final of the FA Cup or the, you know, quarter-final of the Champions League or whatever. Now, is mass punishment a solution? No, it's not because the 99% majority haven't done anything wrong yet they're being punished and they're not actually going to be allowed to see a game that they've obviously paid all that money through all the other rounds to you know follow their club on their journey and you know some fans you know never missed a game or you know or whatever and you can't punish everybody for that it's it's just this kind of carpet bombing tactic and it doesn't work you have to deal with the individuals and in this instance it was mainly that section and then obviously behind the dugouts as well but we're in you know we're in an age of uh, cctv too much cctv for my liking but if you can't pinpoint where it's coming from just from steward steward and police communication and get rid of them and, and eject them i mean it, that can obviously catch fire if you're trying to eject 50 people and they don't want to go it's uh, obviously that that creates a situation but they're banned straight away i mean it looked like there was only about there was only about 50 people in the stadium anyway and you know when they're buying tickets Surely you, they're allotted a seat, so you know who they are. So they're banned full stop. It's just it's shambolic, isn't it? Really? Yeah, you're not having to ban the whole, uh, having to ban the whole crowd. It's something that just doesn't seem to be addressed. It seems all it's been, you know, it's, this has been happening for decades, and it's just then it all peters out. Then the next out, outrage happens, and then it's suddenly, you know, government writing letters, pressure, 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 and then people forget about it, and then nothing happens, and then you know it kicks off again. I was shocked at the policing and stewarding. They just didn't, they didn't look bothered they looked like it, it happened every week they just weren't really surprised about it they didn't do much about it the story is that the stewards took the high vis off and joined in oh jesus I can, Im- I can imagine and you know around the ground the stickers where you know there's like a you know the toilets signs male and female there's mm. one black uh, black let's say black male white female and then it's like basically a red cross through it. it's not allowed and like nazi stickers around the place it's like going back you know to the 1930s or something you know it's such base level but, but then you know it's, it's nationalism because of mass immigration i mean you don't want to get bogged down in the politics of it but one of the uh, coalition parties uh, their leader 
I mean, basically, there's a, a gypsy problem. I think Romania, I think they're called the Romanis. And, uh, you know, the leader for this far-right group said there needs to be a final solution for the gypsy problem. And, you know, they're using rhetoric like final solution. And, you know, we know who used that term uh, previously. But, uh, I mean, on domestic level, I mean, this, what happened at Villa, you ha- have all these like outrage, outrage. Oh, yes, everybody's patting themselves on the back on social media because they're saying racism is a bad thing. Well, everybody knows racism is a bad thing. So what are we going to do about it? And the way to do it in terms of the Villa context, uh, especially if it's young kids, is to get them in and, and let's, you know, let's talk to them about it. And let's explain why those lyrics were bad. If they were uh, just a mistake and they, they thought they were funny as a opposed to uh, causing any harm. Yeah, I, th- I think in English football generally you can we're in a position to self-police a little bit more. Somewhere like Bulgaria it's it's a it's so deep rooted in the in the society that to to stop it you know you, you see it in you know Croatia well, it's pretty deep rooted here i mean we, we we're not on our high horses yeah, here we as don't, a country we don't have big groups of fucking, like you know it's disgusting right, here as we well we don't have huge groups of far right supporters making nazi signals at football matches though we 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 get less yeah. of that sort of thing because they'll have known full well that you know they're going to have a huge tv audience to make their point and they wouldn't have cared you know you, you have this three step protocol which fair enough is i think isn't a bad idea when you've got a group like that, they don't care if the game gets called off. They're not asked. And they don't care if it punishes the rest of the ground because they think they're in the right. So they just, you know, they've, we've made our point. Right, we're going to go home now. See you later. And it's like, well, no, no one gains anything. And they don't get into any trouble. They'd have just walked out the ground. Well, from what, from, from what I gather from things I've seen online, they just walked out the stadium, walked around to the away end and waited for the England fans. Like right, we've made our point, and now we're going to have it off with the English. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's and it's predictable. I mean, you can see it a mile off. Uh, I, I mean, I didn't, was there any Bulgarian police in the, within a within five miles of that stadium? <laughs> but uh, a question: uh, Daniel Wayne uh, from the Madfield Group says uh, views on the England great game. Should the players have walked? Praise for how Mings coped with it all. For my part, I think we should have walked. I don't think it's letting them win i think they want to see football and the best way to deal with it is to deprive them of that well this i mean this is the interesting thing uh Tyron Mings, uh, when he was, I think it was in January, February 2018, when he was at Bournemouth, was made a, a kick-it-out ambassador. I mean, obviously, Tyron Mings, you know, he's a bright chap, articulate, he's a good guy to uh, have in such a role. So before the England game, obviously, he got called up for his uh, debut to start. And so kick-it-out, give it the big one on uh, Twitter, saying, you know, congratulations to our ambassador, you know, making his debut for England. Fast forward, they do their outrage tweet and put out their statement saying, oh, step two, they should have walked walked off at step two this is you know disgrace they should have upheld the protocol and walked off and uh, you know even you know if you got to step three they should have been off straight away so they're basically uh to kick it out saying they should have walked straight off i mean as as daniel wayne says here and then you know what does mings do mings is the one that obviously reports it then mings is obviously talking to, i think he spoke to harry kane first and then they had a chat like five minutes before half time, decided to let's make it to half time, let's discuss it in, at half time. And they all decided they wanted to play on. And so you've got the kick it out saying they should have walked off. But at the end of the day, it's the I mean, a lot of kick it out people, you know, they're all well meaning. I mean, some of them are ex players, but not at this level. And Mings is making his debut. And Mings, I think what Mings did was the best way to deal with it. We win. He, you know, he's called it out. He's done everything proper. I mean, it was even in Parliament they were they were calling out him as as like the model citizen, you know, essentially, and how he dealt with it and how he shouldn't have had to go through it. But I thought he dealt with it completely. I mean, he was, you know, it was like England captain material, really. I think he did well. I think the team did the right thing. I was pleased that the the guys who were getting the abuse, the likes of Sterling, him, Rashford, all put in good performances. Obviously, Rashford, Sterling scored goals. There was a great moment when I think Rashford rolled the ball through one of their players' legs and got an even bigger barrage of abuse. But I'm sure he would have been relishing that. In terms of them walking off, I think they did the right thing to follow the protocol, just do their job. One thing I was surprised at, though, is the, the timing of the step one and two was still relatively early in the first half. From what I remember, there was still a reasonable amount of time to f- yeah. till half time, and I thought they're going to be lucky to get to half time here. But what happened was that main, let's say, call them the fascist group, left, and there was a Tanoi call out, and then they left, and they didn't. They didn't actually. I mean, to be fair to them, they didn't kick off or anything. They just left. Well, then they'd made their point, hadn't they? So they made their point, and so to to answer Daniel Wayne's question, uh, saying. Uh, I think they want to see football and the best way to deal with it is to deprive 
for them of that. I don't think they give a fuck nah, about football. Care. They were there to no, make those their con- point. Those, gr- those guy- kind of guys aren't there to support their national team. They know their team's rubbish. The fact that the, the yeah. stadium was half empty because their team is it's against England. It's high profile. Yeah, yeah. they know they know they know they know they've got a big TV audience. The the, the biggest disappointment, strangely, of, of England, to be honest, in in, that, in the way they played was that. After everything that had gone on, I actually wanted them to just massacre their team. I wanted them to put 10 past them. And I think we, yeah. we could have gone through an extra gear and absolutely flattened them and embarrassed them in sporting terms. Yeah. But this is the thing. Nobody's mentioned this, but Bulgaria had a black player as well. Yeah, yeah that's what I thought. So how's he feeling one. about all this? Yeah. Anybody asking him any questions? Because obviously, uh, I mean, Bulgaria have come down hard. Obviously, the uh, is it the Prime Minister said... Uh, that's the funding gone unless president of the uh, football association resigned Which and he did, he the did next resign. Day, I think it was the goalkeeper for the 1994 Bulgarian World Cup team who, you know, actually, I think they got to the quarterfinals. Semis, wasn't it? When Bulgaria... That was their goal. Was their goal, yeah, goal uh, yeah game, actually, They yeah. got to the quarterfinals and beat Germany and then they lost, didn't they? Yeah, because when Bulgaria were very good, actually. Stoichkov et al. Yeah. But yeah, no, so they seem to have acted... Uh, this is the problem. They... They need to act as you know, as a government, as a football association, because it tarnishes the whole country with the brush of them being a bunch of racists. I mean, nobody. Uh, I mean, obviously, people uh, you know reasonably intelligent know it's just a minority, and you know they understand something of the political situation there. But you know, for for the casual person, it's like yeah, Bulgarian bunch of racists. With all due respect to them, though, it isn't like you know when you get certain incidents happen in English grounds where people act like idiots and the home support gets on their back. You know, they weren't sort of, they didn't turn the crowd against them. The, the crowd didn't, you know, their home support didn't kick them out of the stadium. It, they yeah. were just kind of like, all right, lads, yeah, crack on. Well, potential fear factor there, I would, I would say as well. But it was also a half-empty stadium because obviously from previous, but that just goes to show, you know, this kind of mass punishment of uh, blocking off stands and... Uh, Closing down stands, should I say, doesn't really work. But the thing is, how they, you know, how did these people get the tickets? They, they must have been, you know, they must be known, and they should have been spotted straight away. It's not as if they had any real. Well, they had a banner in there in the front of the stand. People knew who they were. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's see what happens. I'm sure that will uh, boil uh, a little bit more. Let's just answer a couple of questions on the international. Uh, obviously, we got sidetracked a little bit there. Pellini on Instagram asks, I hope I pronounced that right. Patti Patellini. It's these silly Instagram names. Should Tyrone Mings wear the captain's armband? That's for Aston Villa. Max Stokes. Um, no, I don't think so. I don't think he needs to wear the armband in order to be a leader. I think he he does fine the way he does, and I don't think it would make Jack Grealish feel brilliant if he just gave the uh, the armband to Mings. So no, I don't think so. I think he can carry on being a, a great leader without the armband. No worries. Yeah, because he does it anyway, doesn't it? As soon as makes me laugh every time he passes the ball he gives the instructions as well <laughs> to the next to the player who receives the ball it's like yeah right mings let me fucking play <laughs> uh peter jenkins asks uh, from the mad few group do you think if they gave mings the captaincy would it have a negative effect on grealish do you think that mings should be a captain over grealish well uh, we've already kind of answered that but yeah it's, i don't think it's going to do grealish uh it's not going to be a positive, is it? Not with his, you know, his hometown club, and Grealish hasn't done anything to warrant the captaincy being taken away from him. Yeah. Uh, Grim Pigs on Instagram asks, will we be able to keep hold of Mings and McGinn in the January window? Yep. Yeah. Yes. There's no way Villa will let go of those uh, in the January window, like 0% chance. I mean, the, the, offer that Man U, yeah, the, the offer that Man United would have to put on the table in January... To even for Villa to even think about it would be ridiculous. It would break all records because just let's just quickly break it down. Take away Mings especially, and uh, suddenly we're not looking good for staying up. I would venture. You got Mings, you're pretty confident you'll stay up. That's the that's the defence sorted out. So when you talk about fees, you're talking about that 170 million or there or thereabouts of uh, TV rights money that we will lose if we get relegated. So you have to add that onto the fee in my opinion, because Mings, I would say, will play a massive part. If we are to be a team that we're talking in in terms of uh, the perspective of staying in the division, Mings will play a big part of that. I think we'll do more. I think uh, we'll see it start to click into place. And uh, as it started to do again at Norwich, uh, and, you know, we'll be... uh, beating teams frequently you know frequently enough to uh, not have to think about relegation but i think mings is pivotal to staying in the league if that's what our destiny is to battle to stay in the league so you know you got you got to factor in that if we do get relegated if we got rid of mings for like 50 million 
and we got relegated. That is just poor business because suddenly we've we've lost 170 million down the chute. Which doesn't it? If you stay up, it becomes like a billion by the second and third years or something ridiculous. The, the, yeah, the, the, the I mean, actual yeah. magnitude of the numbers increases exponentially, doesn't it? Yeah. So we're in. A, I mean, we're in a world where most teams now can hold on to their players unless that's why you know Harry Maguire went for 80 odd million. It's like he's not worth that. It's just silly money. But it's because. The selling team can hold on to that player. They don't need the money anymore. When you, you look at Zahar, TV money is enough. I mean, he should have gone ages well, you, ago, but he, he stayed because they didn't get the, the offer that they wanted. Fair enough. Yeah. And, you know, Mings, the reason why a player that uh, was bought for eight million and then did fuck all at Bournemouth because of injuries went for then, you know, a, you know, what, 25 million, 26 million with add ons is because uh, they don't need to sell him. It's like, no, we'll sit here. We don't have to sell him if you want him. Just make us enough. It's basically make us an offer we can't refuse. And, you know, Villa, let's say we haven't got, uh, we've got wealthy owners and they're you know they want to do something with this club they're not just you know fannying around here so villa to do something you keep mings and you keep McGinn. so no way january window we're not going to lose anything we're, we're team building and i think i think they've got half an iron building medium to long term as well you know let's, let's say they have a reasonably good season this season they the starting point with manchester united they could be in the same ballpark so you don't want to give up ground to a team that actually, if you make a couple of astute buys, you could be finishing higher than them, you know, next season or the season after. So this is what we're aiming for. There's a there's a lot of teams in transition this season, as we've already spoken about. So it gives Villa a chance to get a foothold. If I mean, it's well, you know, it's early days. We've only won two games out of eight, but uh, we're pretty, you know, we're we're competitive and, and we're not that far off. BD Guest asks, is it good or bad being selected for international duty? This is for Aston Villa players. I mean, it's good for the, you know, it's good for the prestige in terms of the usual equation. Normally it's Villa player plus England equals a transfer 18 months to two years later. So, but that goes, that goes with any player, doesn't it? The only negative you can really say is injuries and possibly jet lag if you're pushing it like Douglas Louise if he comes back from Brazil on the Thursday has to, has to play Saturday it's not yeah. ideal but that's only a little bit I think in the main it's fantastic for like Chris said the value of the players and the confidence of the players as well so overall it's it's a good thing it has to be and it's it's good for the club people you know people are talking about Aston Villa again because of what McGinn did because of what Mings did yeah and, and also just from a from their sort of personal point of view for these guys they're they're they're, they're training with with all due respect to the Villa squad, they're training with better players. You know, they're in a they're in a you know elite environment, so they're only yeah. going to get better, and they'll learn things. And you know, they're, they're, the experience that they, yeah, the, the experience they bring back to their clubs is only going to benefit them. Yeah, I mean, for me, the only problem in terms of international uh, is when you've got African players and the African Cup of Nations happens in the middle of the season and they disappear for a month. Yeah, like, it's always that January, wasn't it, where teams would get depleted by. Yeah, and so if you've let's say three or four of your better players are in African internationals, then you've you've got a big hole in your team, you know, for a, for a good chunk. If they're obviously are there for a few weeks, yeah, especially if they're one of the better sides, they're gone for the best part of a month. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. Uh, right, just have a couple more questions internationally related. Uh, Max, I'll throw this one at you. Les White from the Madview asks, do you think of Smith as a future England manager? Hmm, it's quite a funny one, this, because I think oh, I, I, was, I spoke to someone in the Holt End car park uh, when we were on the 10-game run. I think he was a family friend. The hub of all wisdom, the whole ten car park. That's where it happens. Um, I think he was a family friend of Dean Smith's family or something like that, and he was adamant that Smith would be England manager one day. And I don't see why not. When he's got this project at Villa going on, I don't necessarily see him leaving Villa to go to England. But certainly in the future, I don't see why not. I mean, I'd, li- I'd like to think he, he could become England manager, and I think 
I, I remember him saying something similar in that for Dean Smith to become England manager, it would only be good for Villa because the, the only way he would get that job over a few of the people at the moment is if he did something unbelievable with Villa. And if, you know, if, if Dean Smith was to say, get us, you know, trophies or a top four finish or something like that, and he and he got the offer, I think every Villa fan, similarly to when sort of Graham Taylor got the, uh, the England job many, many moons ago, I think most Villa fans would pat him on the back and say, good luck. No, you're always welcome. <laughs> Fuck. Fuck off. When Graham Taylor left left the, one of my worst days as a Villa fan, I was so fucked off because we were going somewhere. It just obviously got us promoted, transitional season. Then we were challenging for the league and you thought, here we go. And you think when you get a good manager, you have a chance of some legacy. And by legacy, I mean like three or four or five years of winning shit or qualifying for Europe. And if you lose him, it's like you just it's cutting the head off the chicken straight away. And, you know, we descended straight down from that point and we, we needed like uh, Ron Atkinson to come out of nowhere to uh, pull us back up but it's I mean it's one of the worst thing is it's like we Ron Saunders left as well that was a, a big problem I mean luckily we had uh, his man and a team that was so well drilled that they could pretty much manage themselves but that could have been a legacy if we'd won that European Cup and he'd been there and he'd kept on then we could have gone on and maybe won another European Cup or another league. But Smith, if he gets his top four, I want him to have a few seasons, seeing as, you know, keeping us in there and having a crack. I mean, I think there are probably, there are other uh, there are other managers who I think would be ahead of him. I look at someone like Eddie Howe in the sort of young English manager bracket who would be, you know, he'd have his his name in the, uh, in the hat as well. But you think with Eddie Howe, he might have to do a, a big club job before he before he gets the England job, if you know what I mean. I think in some respects, Dean Smith has... The platform. Can, yeah, exactly. Can go from Villa to England. Eddie Howe, it's like, there'd have to be no other competitors, no English managers or, or any manager. Or that, that doesn't obviously have to be English. Uh, up for that job, who's like managing... Uh, if, if they're managing a top four team, then I don't think they go to uh, the England job. But I don't know. Do you think it, top four team managers would go for the England job? Or an international job, because it's not as good, is it? I have the feeling somebody like Dean Smith, as much as he'd probably relish the challenge and the prestige of it, I'd imagine he, like so many of them, likes the day-to-day contact with the players. Yeah, because, I mean, he's very much on the training ground. He's a a coach, isn't he? He likes to oversee the whole operation. Now, obviously, he's he's come from such smaller clubs. He's used to having to do everything. But I mean, we're talking about a manager who's only ever won two Premier League games, so uh, it's a bit of it's bit a long of a way off, from... isn't it? I mean, as I said, I think for, for yeah, for hypothetically for Dean Smith to have his name anywhere near England, he would have had to do something unbelievable at Villa. Yeah, but I would like to see him if we got to the stage, and I'm sure the owners are, are looking for it to you know be up there dominating. And Dean Smith was the man who was uh, facilitating that that he would stick around and you know relish. You know, it's like a long-term one. If he's uh, if he's done the business, and then we're having a f- few seasons where we're like mid-table or whatever, and the England job comes up, and you know he's had ten years at Villa, then you think, okay, fair enough. You know, have a crack if it's something you wanted to do. But I think when you're at the zenith and you've got Villa, if if you've got Villa at the top table, and we're suddenly we've changed the geography of uh, what the Premier League is, then I, I would stay there. I, I wouldn't. Uh, and if you chose to go to England, I'd, it's a thankless task being England manager. As Graham Taylor found out. Dale Allen says, when is Sir Tyrone Mings happening? I think there's a chance of honours list. If he uh, if he has a, like a decent season and, and makes himself a regular, I th- I'd think, you know, people say, oh, you know, the Bulgarian uh, chanting, whatever, has ruined his debut. I think it's pretty much one of the best debuts he could have possibly have. Yeah, because he didn't, it, it wasn't like it. Um, it people didn't... have seen him as a whole human being, really. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it didn't, it, you know, from a purely football point of view, it didn't derail his performance. I mean, admittedly, it was against a bang average side. I mean, I'd, I'd imagine there's some championship sides who would turn over Bulgaria. Yeah. But he was professional. And then the way he sort of handled himself, just from a sheer personality point of view, a lot of people will have warmed to him. Prince William will have a word with the Queen, won't he? To get that Sir yeah, Tyrone Mings. Yeah, yeah no, good, good point there. Good point. His connections there. Yeah, a bit of nepotism never hurts anybody. It's not what you know, Tyrone. Yeah, it's who you know. <laughs> I like the just just quickly on the England thing. I mean, Tyrone Mings got ninety eight touches, and his passing percentage was ninety five point five. And then you got like Harry Winks, 
135 touches. I've never seen that on any player. When I've, you know, when we've done the touch count and I'm looking at touches, 135 is like ridiculous. And he and Winks was like 94.4, and there's quite a few players, hundreds high 90s. So and that just shows you how much possession we did have, and you know, pretty much how easy it was to keep the ball. Yeah, it shows how little Bulgaria pressed. Yeah, no, exactly. So it was a bit of a walk on the park, to uh, to be honest. I, I quite like the look of uh, Callum Wilson, actually, when he came on. He's a good player. He, he looked good when he played at Villa Park, didn't he, on um, the first yeah. game of the season? It's a handful. I think we should be buying him. That's what I'm saying. Quite tidy. Tidy. I mean, I've, I've always thought he was good, but I just I just thought uh, he looked very comfortable at international level. We never gave the ball away at all, I don't think. Yeah, maybe one when we, Dean Smith t- takes us to the realms of super team, then I think uh, Wilson will be on the bench for Villa. Uh, right, anyway, uh, moving on quickly. I uh, just want to give a quick shout out to uh, the My Man Said patrons, uh, the new people who have signed up this week, uh, the Bruces, Bruce Graves and Bruce guest thank you very much for signing up uh, so if you want to join the bruces uh, please do go to myomansaid.com and uh, click on the patrons uh, link for more information uh, there's a few rewards happening this month uh, i've already dished out some villa versus wolves cup tickets also coming up are a few copies of uh, asif kapade's ma- the, the directory did Sen- senna and amy amy winehouse documentaries he's done one on diego maradona which is uh, very much worth a watch uh, you've seen it haven't you chris yeah i went yeah, it was good didn't didn't uh, didn't change my view on him anymore. In fact, if anything, it just reaffirmed what I already knew. <laughs> I just thought he's a complete arsehole. <laughs> but a talented arsehole, and it's quite. I mean, all and the quite Napoli entertaining stuff's, at times. The Napoli stuff's pretty entertaining. Yeah, some of the banners, good. some of the banners and stuff. I never realised how uh, in bed with the mafia he was. Yeah, or rather, as under their thumb he was. So a few of the uh, copies of that film uh, going out to uh, Mom's patrons. Plus, also there's a new book coming out at the end of the month. It's called What You Think You Know About Football Is Wrong, which basically dispels loads of myths like Premier League players are not overpaid. England fans do not care about the England team and they never have done. Most fans are not loyal to one club. They play the field. Black players are not new in English football. So basically chapters uh, discussing various things. I think there's also things like 2-0 is the worst league lead you can have in football. I think that's something that most people preach, but uh, I think it also dispels that as a load of bollocks as well. Anyway, uh, we'll have a few copies of them uh, to give to Mom's patrons as well. So uh, Mom's rewards are just a way of, uh, you know, instead of just saying thanks, guys, uh, which most people do, to actually give you something physical to say thank you very much. Anyway, please do sign up. Thank you. Uh, right, uh, should we talk about Brighton? Can do. There's just a couple more questions. I mean, I will do more of these questions in, in the, the proper show. Seb Bacon asks, sit in the home end for City as away end sold out? Question mark. There's, there's plenty of empty seats, so I don't see yeah. why not. Yeah, it's like if you want to see a game, it's by any name, means necessary is uh, my philosophy. I mean, I sat in the Spurs home end and, you know, no biggie. You get to celebrate more goals that way. Yeah, it's, it's not like... Uh, Man City is an intimidating ground to go to either, is it? Richard Yesich says, what do you think of Tyson Fury taking part in WWE? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> have you seen this clip? I don't know if you have any interest uh, in Tyson Fury boxing or WWE. I have no interest whatsoever in WWE, but I do like boxing. Shall I? I'll field this, shall I, quickly? Yeah, I'm completely apathetic about this question. <laughs> I think basically Tyson Fury is trying to boost his profile in America. He's had uh, the last two fights are well, you know, the kind of tin pot fights. Although he made hard work of the last one, so I don't think he's probably getting the numbers he would like in terms of building his profile to be this like big, you know, fighter in America and uh, big, well, big box office fighter. So I thought they did a bit of a stroke of magic by getting getting them to go to a WWE about and having a bit of uh well it's obviously staged although if you're a wwe fan you will not believe that so uh a bit of a staged confrontation from the crowd to somebody in the ring and i thought that's good that's actually a great publicity publicity stunt to kind of boost his profile because millions and millions of americans watch wwe so uh it's a great uh you know easy way of uh doing something brown paper envelope to the uh the wrestling guy and uh you know away you go but they're actually going to have a fight about. Uh, I can only see Tyson Fury winning that in terms of how they script it. But uh, I think it's just basically a PR stunt and uh, they need to boost 
Tyson Fury's profile, and uh, I think the just the what they did with the crowd bit, I thought that was good. Whether this is actually going too far of him getting in a room is another question. Thomas Knight asks, is Chris Budd really that bad at the Scott Hogan touch count meter, or is it fixed? No, it's just Roger's luck. There is no skill involved <laughs> in this game. <laughs> well, I don't know. No idea. How many touches did Scott Hogan have for Ireland? Four. Against Switzerland? I'll have a go, yeah, four. I think he Five. came on six, 69th minute. So he had, what, 21 minutes? Right, second guess. We got a four from Max. We got a five from Chris. Second guess, Max. Can I go six? You've allowed? got it. You've won. Yes, come on. <laughs> Chris, you, Chris, you can't even Get win. In. You can't even win when we're just messing around. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just earned Max a shot at the Rogers title as well. I'm coming. Does that Chris, mean I get Chris, a Sunday night off? <laughs> Chris used to be all right, actually. You 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 went through spats where you beat everybody, didn't you? Yeah, I think it's a, it's, it's a, you know. It's just when we started paying attention and came up with the idea of having a re- reigning champion that you, <laughs> Route you One Rogers like just... started taking it seriously, didn't they? <laughs> Route One Rogers. Anyway, uh, good good warm up there for for Max before he gets a crack at the title. Right, <laughs> Ben Hip Chris asks, "What's your views on Claret members getting first dibs on home tickets before season ticket holders, mates?" Well, I think we've had a bit of this discussion on uh, social media. And the whole idea is fan ID is one per person. And I think it's up to you to sort yourself out to get tickets. Yeah. So season tickets mates, I don't give a fuck about them, to be honest. Because they, if they want to go to a game, you sort yourself out. You, you know, you're an individual person. You've got your own brain. Sort it out. And any of my mates who want to go to a game that badly will get themselves membership or a season ticket or they'll have a booking history that will allow them to get tickets for the games. It's Yeah, because the system's set up so you can tag each other's uh, fan IDs so you can sit next to each other, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. I mean, I think this is the first season in, in my memory that it actually would be worth as a concept, having a season ticket in in respects of actually getting to games and having the choice of getting to games. Because when you look at something you have to commit to for, what is it, nine months of the year, and you're booking ahead of time, and there's so much shit in terms of your own life, whether you can go to games or whatever, then you've got Sky TV changing the dates. So the actual, the first, if you bought a season ticket and then you had all the fixtures down there then you know you know what you're doing but because they get changed as well that's another problem so it's kind of stacked against you as a season ticket holder so it's not great value purchase if you know what i mean i mean you save money but as a concept are you guaranteed to go to every one of those games and the match Maybe by not. match uh, value i think in terms of it working out at face value you can only miss like one or maybe two games and then you're losing money on the ticket and let's yeah, be honest so- you know, it's not like we're um you know, we're not like a tourist club like a Man United or a Liverpool or the London sides where if you can't go, you can put your ticket on resale and you'll probably end up in profit. Yeah. It, it doesn't work like that at Villa. So if you can become a Claret member, then, I mean, that's a great option in terms of if you're not going to go to every game, then at least you've, you know, you've got that access. But at the end of the day, you're, you know, you're going to a lot, you'll be going to a lot of games anyway. It's just that, you know, it just saves you buying right up front and you, you can actually choose games that suit your actual personal circumstances. So this idea of a mate of a season ticket has a higher should have a higher priority than a claret member who's actually a you know a villa fan. Season ticket holders' mates could be anybody. So I don't kind of buy into that. I think they've got it. I think they've got it about right. I and mean, we've said it before that Villa just happens to have the the nice problem this year of having probably most games are going to sell out and it's relative, being relatively oversubscribed. But let's not forget where the crowds were when we're in the championship. It's like, yeah. you, you know, you reward loyalty with all due respect. And As I said, season ticket holder now, actually it starts to make more sense because, you know, previously pretty much if you want to go to a Villa game, you can go and see one. I remember when in the first Premier League season ever, when Ron Atkinson was manager and we were chasing the title, I would I wasn't a season ticket holder. I lived in Birmingham, wasn't a season ticket holder, but I'd go home and away, you get away tickets, no problem. So it's, it's weird that now it's something that you have to have uh, let's say what a minimum of 12 previous games the previous season to get an away ticket because back in the day you could just you wouldn't have to uh, talk about how many away games you've been to this season or whatever you just say yeah I want one and I think with with the whole sort of membership system I mean in all fairness to Villa we, we're only just catching up on you know we're years behind some of these Premier League clubs yeah. in terms of yeah. like, the, the Man United membership scheme has been running for decades and it's been oversubscribed and you know you look at like up until quite recently, like t- season tickets at Newcastle, 
Anfield, Spurs have got waiting lists. You know, this is we are still catching up on the so-called big boys, really. They, you look at the big teams in Europe, you sort of your Barcelona's, Real Madrid's, Bayern Munich's, all the German teams have membership systems. It works well. It's just the way it is. It's like if, if someone ultimately, if it, you know, come the start of a, a new season, if somebody wants to go to games, they'll make it happen. Exactly. And if they, and if they don't, someone else will. And that's how business, that's just business, isn't it? it? It is. And if you know the game, you know the rules of the game, then you play the rules of the game. No use fucking crying on the sidelines because this happens every time we go to Wembley. Oh, uh, there's four of us. We've only got one f- fan ID because I always book the tickets on one f- fan ID. But, you know, I don't know how to get my wife and my kids into Wembley. But, you know, they've been to all the games. It's like, dude, zero sympathy for you because you know the rules of the game. All you got to do is fucking give them f- fan IDs and every time you bucket your tickets you just put them on the fan ids then you've got four slots to get tickets you it's like some people just don't think yeah a wembley final this year could become fireworks in terms of tickets because well exactly you know, generally yeah. what it's the, the general allocation for an fa cup or a league cup final is about 25 30 000 tops yeah if we've got more season tickets all of a sudden you're going to have depending on how they do it in terms of loyalty or a ballot or however they're going to do it you're going to have people it won't even go to claret members let alone well, this is the thing, sale. yeah. And, uh, you know, season ticket holders' mates can fuck off as well because they won't have a chance as well. So, as I, you know, as I was saying, this is, it's good to be a season ticket holder this year because if we do go to Wembley, then, you know, you're in there. It's like when we played Arsenal in uh, 2015. They, how many season ticket holders they had? They had loads and a, and a waiting list. So a chunk of those couldn't get tickets for the final. They, you know, it's like, as you said, they're like gold dust. Well, most clubs run... Um loyalty point system of home and away games it's combined and it, you just build up points numbers so it isn't a case of i went to this many games or i'm on an away scheme or i've got this or i've got that teams like newcastle for example i know if you've got like the the, the sales windows are if you've got x amount of points there you go if you've got this many it's that many it's you know it works its way down and it's yeah. a pretty easy way of people keeping track but you know most people look after their own interests that's why people cry about not having their being able to get their mates in before Claret members. Well, actually, Claret members are Villa fans, and uh, they should have first dibs. And why why aren't your mates Claret members? As I say, those are the rules of the game, so your mate can become a Claret member, no problems then. Well, these people are paid for it. Exactly. And if you're a Claret member because you missed out on becoming a season ticket holder and you're going to every game this season, you will, as a result, pay more money to the club than a season ticket holder. So... In that respect, you'll be more valuable to the club than a season ticket holder. So it's swings and roundabouts. Uh, this Brighton team, I think, uh, Max, last time you were on the show, we discussed the upcoming Burnley-Norwich-Brighton trifecta, and we were saying, I think we said seven points, or you said seven points, Maxi boy. Yeah, yeah, seven, it, it had to be. We are currently on four. I think we got them the, a different way round from what we were expecting, but we'll, we'll take it. Yeah, I think we need to put the Norwich game behind us. Yeah, it was it was brilliant, fantastic win. But this, again, in my opinion, is probably a must-win game if we want to move away from those teams below us. Oh, yeah, the problem about that Norwich game is, well, I mean, not a problem for us, but all the schmucks around us won as well. I mean, Brighton turned over Spurs, Newcastle turned over Manchester United. So we didn't actually get any daylight or put put them behind us. I mean, they're all we're all still in the same kind of mix, aren't we? So that that's what highlights why Brighton is an important win to obviously, well, to you know, to start getting three points at uh, Villa Park regularly will will be a good look for us this season, but uh, we need it just to uh propellers up a bit but uh i mean brighton taken four points from the last four away games never won at villa park i mean if david o'leary was the manager or uh, maybe mcleish that would be a nice opportunity for them to win because i think those guys between them lost many of villa's uh, great records Lambert? Yeah, Lambert. It'd be a uh, banker, wouldn't it? Oh, Lambert got rid of most of our good records as well against other teams. So this is one that this is one of our only remaining kind of impressive statistics that uh, Brighton have never won in the history of football at Villa Park, and that goes over eleven attempts. Max, who do you who do you see in that Brighton team as uh, potential threats? I think the obvious one is Neil Morpé. Uh, obviously, we were looking at him in the summer, yeah. and obviously Dean Smith knows what he's about. And I was speaking to my mate actually, is a is a Brighton fan, goes home in a way, I think and uh, he said if you give more pay 10 chances he'll score nine he's a proper little <laughs> shit house striker as they say uh so you know he, he's one to look out for and he'll probably pop one in in front of the whole end because he normally does um they've got a young did he he stitched us uh for brentford didn't he away from home yeah, yeah. 91st minute yeah that's brilliant right. yeah, yeah they've got a young winger actually i think he came through the academy his name's alzate 
I'd never heard of him before, but he's. Um, you think he played well in the Newcastle away game that Brighton played that was 0-0, which they probably should have won a couple of weeks ago. He's quick, he's young, he's comfortable, he can, he's good driving forward as well. So he's he's going to be a threat for the full-backs. What about that little shrimp who, does he get first-team games in league games? The one that played in the cup game against us who looked pretty decent. Oh, Con- Connolly. Yeah. He scored against Tottenham, didn't he, last week? Yeah, so he's he's on the fringes, isn't he? He's in, well, he's in, he's in the yeah. squad. He's a good player. He played for Ireland as well, didn't he, um, in the international break? So he's he's one to look out for. And I think the final the final things we need to be wary of are their centre-arse. I think they play three at the back. Yeah. Um, Webster, Duffy and Byrne, and they're all six foot three, four, five. So we need to be wary of them from set well, pieces. Well, we, we were linked to Webster, weren't we? Yeah, that, that didn't happen. He's very good at driving forward as well. Despite his height, he's good with the ball at his feet, so need to be wary of them. That's good. Well, as traditionally, means. with a with a back three, is you don't want to let Wesley get completely isolated. Yeah, if we don't bomb on, he'll just get isolated, and the ball will be coming back very quickly. But I think it's a game that Villa, you know, they have to see this as an opportunity. You know, in the yeah. spirit of moving forward, and they can't be much more confident than they're going to be after going to Norwich and winning five one. It's kind of like they should be thinking, "Yep, yeah, bring it on, let's go." It's a kind of game that if you do win and you start winning games like this, then we can begin to look at games thinking, right, that's one we should win. At the moment, all games are pretty much up for grabs, aren't they? For You can't assume anything. But if we start stringing a few wins together against your Brightons, then uh, we're going to build in confidence. Uh, well, it's a good from- measure of where we're genuinely at. You know, Norwich were you know under not under strength, but they were weakened and they didn't play well at all. So, yeah. you know, Brighton will be arriving at Villa Park, you know, full of confidence as well. I think I think the fact that our next two league games after Brighton are Man City and Liverpool, which we'll be lucky to get a point out of, in my opinion. I think we really do need to win this game just to sort of propel ourselves up the yeah, table a little bit, yeah. especially with the dodgy runner games we've got. Yeah, no, good point. I mean, we'll talk about the uh, games to come more in uh, the next podcast, but suddenly it starts to get a bit tougher. It's almost like this is the uh, the final part of the pre-season out of the way after Brighton, and then it gets really down to the nitty-gritty of where will it actually end up this, this season. Well, it's a big run of games, isn't it? You know, you've obviously got City, Liverpool on the horizon. We've got to go to Old Trafford. We've got to go to Wolves. But at home, you've got Newcastle and Brighton. So clumped in amongst all those difficult away trips are two home games that if you have aspirations of staying in the league and then pushing on, you've got to be winning these kind of games. And then yeah. obviously the, the, the Wolves Cup game sandwiched in between them. But knowing Villa will probably draw against Brighton and beat Manchester City and Liverpool. That's the way it, the way it normally goes. I mean, I'd love I'll to take beat the Scousers. Yeah, I'd take that, actually. I'd sacrifice Brighton to beat both of those. Right, anyway, we have uh, chatted on uh, probably twice as long as uh, we expected to chat on. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you to Max and Chris. Uh, please do uh, follow uh, this podcast on whatever podcast app that you use, uh, especially if you're on Spotify and also Apple. Buy a podcast t-shirt as well. The link's in the show notes. Join the Madfew Facebook group if you want to be in touch uh, with the shows of the listeners of the smart people like yourself if you want to be in touch with them during the week and uh, most of all to help the show and also help uh, i'm going to relaunch the website and go back to the old school ways of you know media muppets and uh, vengloss views and also the odd kind of big you know more quality feature i'm not i, I don't want to be putting out uh, news all the time because you, you can get that anywhere and i want to stay clear as as always of just bullshit and clickbait and speculation and all that crap so if you could uh, become a patron that would help support actually doing that because it's a waste of time really running the website uh, without your support because ads are pointless anyway until next time it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them goodbye goodbye My old man said Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.